This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Good morning, everyone. This is Colleen Dieter and the Horticulture Hangover. Call me with your gardening questions this foggy Saturday morning. You can call me or text with gardening questions at 512-836-0590. I am a landscape consultant. You can learn more about me at atxgardens.com. That's ATX as in Austin, Texas. atxgardens.com. I'm... I help my customers by alleviating their anxieties about their yards. Um, I'm a, a International Society of Arboriculture Certified Arborist with a tree risk assessment qualification, so you can ask me about trees. I'm a fruit tree expert. I have a fruit tree certification <clears throat> from Orchard People. And you can also ask me about vegetables, herbs, any landscaping plants, native plants, um, anything about gardening, landscaping plants. Try me. And again, the number is 512-836-0590. You can call or text. And uh, I had a very eventful week this week. I had... I attended the uh, Tree Folks uh, fundraiser gala that they call the Root Ball, which is a great name. And I got to chat with John Dromgool, who, you know, used to host some of these gardening shows here on KLBJ for 36 years. So, and, you know, still owns uh, The Natural Gardener. And I worked for him. Back in 2003, uh, when I first started my career in Austin, worked at Natural Gardener, got to know John, and it was really fun talking to him at the Root Ball. And uh, let's see, we had our wonderful seed swap last Saturday, Central Texas Seed Savers, my volunteer group, uh, that's a... uh, Project of Fruitful Commons. We hosted our seed swap at the Central Library last Saturday and just had a blast. Um, We have the big annual seed swap there at the Central Library in downtown Austin every year in the fall, usually in October. Um, And we had 100, you know, probably around 100 people who attended and including a listener who came over and introduced herself and took her picture with me, which was really fun. Thank you for that. I think that's the first um, like celebrity type picture I've ever had taken. I was really confused when she asked if she could get a picture with me. It was really funny. And then I was like, oh, because I'm on the radio. Okay, cool. Uh, so I had a blast. It was a really fun event. And um uh, all of the leftover seeds went into the Austin Public Library um, seed collections. 
So it was really cool. Uh, and you can still go to your local library branch. Most of the Austin Public Library branches have seed collections, and many of the suburban and ex-urban uh, libraries also have seed collections. You can take seeds out of the library and bring seeds back to the library to share. And that way um, we're preserving those really good plants that do well here in Austin uh, with the seeds that may not be available elsewhere um, because we have such an unusual climate and unusual soil around here. Uh, it's really important for us to preserve these plants that do well here but are are hard to find so it was really fun it was a great event everybody's smiling and having a good time um and we'll have more around town and other locations um so check out sentexseedsavers.org that's sentexseedsavers.org to uh Sign up for the newsletter there, so that way you can be on the up and up about uh, upcoming events, uh, including seed swaps. We do classes and stuff, too, so it's really fun. Um, let me see. I'm getting ready to go to a plant sale today in San Marcos. Oh, here we are. The listener who was at the seed swap just sent the pictures to me here at the station. That's so sweet. Thank you. Really cool. Great to see. Thank you so much for sharing those with me. It was really fun. Oh, she sent some pictures of the seeds too, which was great. Really fun. Um, let's see. Also, I went and did a consultation for... Uh, some listeners as well who hired me to come out to their place outside of Belton. And um, that was great. Boy, they had a beautiful house out there. Um, and I got to see some Bermuda grass that they had planted called Celebration, which I hadn't ever seen. And uh, it was pretty nice. Celebration Bermuda looked good, even though the drought was so horrible and it was very soft and squishy. Uh, just what you want in turf grass. So that was beautiful. And then they had uh, beautiful landscaping, native and well-adapted plants. Um, I helped her, you know, figure out what to plant in some gaps where some plants had failed, you know, things hadn't done great in a couple spots. So helped her figure out where to fill in the spots. Um, and that was a lot of fun. She just put in a pond and was trying to figure out what to plant around the pond. And I'd suggested some canna lilies and, uh, some of the uh, spider, big spider lilies, or is the plant that I also call, I refer to as a Texas ditch ditch lily, Texas ditch lily, because um, they they grow in ditches east of Austin. I remember one time I was driving from Austin to uh, 
the coast to Palacios and noticed all of them blooming in the ditches on the side of the road. And that was really fun to see them growing in the wild like that. Um, but they make great landscape plants, especially around ponds, um, places where they'll get splashed with extra water. They appreciate a little extra water. So the big white spider lilies, they're usually called spider lilies, but um, sometimes they're called Texas ditch lily. So that's pretty cool. Um, so I had a great time out there. Talked a long time with that customer about um, cold hardiness, you know, especially because it was cold that day when I was out there. It got cold a little early this year. And um, she had a herb garden too and had some, some, of, some cold damage on the basil and stuff like that. And you know, it's about time. It is November. Um, you know, average freeze in Central Texas is about November 15th. Of course, if you're in town in Austin, it's warmer in the city. Um, and so, you know, the first freeze is usually a little later. I always think of it as being sometime between Thanksgiving and New Year's when we get our first freeze. So, she and I were chatting a lot about, you know, plant choice and kind of how tough it's been. The last three winters have been so unusually cold. And um, she planted, she replanted uh, all of her trailing rosemary plants. And uh, they're doing great. They're beautiful. She covered them last year during the ice storm. And they look awesome. You know, they're trailing over a wall, just looking beautiful. You know, they're just the right shape and size for uh, growing up near our houses here in Texas with the architecture of our homes. You want smaller little shrubs near the house or in the case of trailing rosemary, trailing over a wall. It's really great. And so it's hard to give up rosemaries as a uh, you know, kind of foundation plant around here. I really struggle with that. And, you know, everybody lost them in the 2021 deep freeze, really bad storm. And, uh, and you know, I just felt like I'm not ready to give them up just because of that one freak incident. But now it's been three cold winters in a row and it's kind of a bummer. So I don't know, but... uh I'm still attached to the rosemary. Let me know if you all are taking the risk and still planting rosemary as a as a foundation plant in your landscapes as a shrub. Um, and it's hard to resist, I think. And they're just so lovely. She also had some, my favorite type is called uh, Tuscan Blue. Uh, it's an upright type that's just really, really beautiful and has big blue flowers and a great fragrance, and it's particularly good for using as like a skewer if you're going to grill uh, kebabs. It's really awesome that way. So check that out, um, the Tuscan Blue Rosemary has been on my mind. I think I'm going to get some and maybe dip my toe back into the rosemary world. Um. So y'all can text or call me 
888-528-0590. Let me know what you're growing, and we're going to go to a break. This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Good morning, everyone. This is Colleen Dieter with ATXGardens.com. You can call or text your gardening questions to me this morning at 512-836-0590. And let's see, I've got some text messages here. We have a picture of a clump of some sort with a shovel digging up a clump of something. I need to move Okay, the text, here's what the text says. I need to move this many years in the ground huisatch so I can extend a porch. It froze down every year anyway due to northern exposure. I want to try to save it. I have root pruned, as you can see, but I've read they have a significant taproot too. As you can see, it's already as big as you as it could be to man, manageable to move. Would you advise letting it recover from the side root loss before I cut the tap root, if I can find it? If so, how long should I wait? I've root pruned other such things and tried to wait a few months to let this happen, but not sure I'll have the luxury of that much time for this guy. Okay, so yeah, that's a big root ball uh, that you've dug up for that huisatch. And no, I think you should just go ahead and dig it up and um, go ahead and transplant it now. Um, a huisatch, I don't know for sure what the taproot situation is. A lot of trees start out with big taproots. Um, and then as they age, the taproots become less dominant and the 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 side shoots the roots side roots start to um fill out more and then uh so and then the tap roots kind of decline um the exception to that is uh, mesquite trees uh, mesquite trees keep their really long main tap roots um, I'm not sure about the huisatch. I haven't heard about the tap roots on the, on the huisatch. Um, but I think you have a really good, the picture that you sent there looks really good to me. It's a, uh, a root ball and, uh, you know, the crown kind of area where the roots connect to the stems. It looks really good to me. So I think go ahead and do it. Um, you know, you might lose the tree, but they're so vigorous um, that I think you're going to be okay. Uh, it's hard to say for sure, you know, and that's a pretty radical, uh, pretty radical move for a tree. It's hard, uh, but see what you what you can do. But I don't. I wouldn't bother waiting. Um, and thank you so much for your question. And just for our listeners who don't know, a taproot is like one really long root that comes straight down 
out of the main stem of the tree. And um, the trees, when they first sprout, uh, say like we could talk about pecan trees. This is true of pecan trees. You know, when the pecan first sprouts as a little tiny baby tree, um, it'll get a long root first before anything else. It's a really long root extends straight down into the ground, and that's called the tap root. And then it will grow a little stem up out of the ground. And um, like I said, like as the tree ages and gets bigger and bigger, that tap root becomes less and less dominant and can recede. Um, and it kind of makes sense if you think about it because the trees get taller as time goes by and they need more buttress roots like extending out to the sides to help hold the tree up right for stability that needs the root system needs to be wider so um so there's kind of a myth of the top of the tree mirroring the root system you know, or that the root system looks like the top of the tree where there's like a main trunk that extends down deep into the ground and then spreads out really far. Um, the way that arborists describe it is that if you think it's really in reality more like a wine glass sitting on top of a dinner plate. So if you have a wine glass sitting on top of a dinner plate, you've got the top of the wine glass is the tree canopy, like all the branches. And then the stem of the wine glass is the tree trunk. And then the foot of the wine glass is the root flare, like the part of the trunk at the bottom that gets wider to stabilize the tree. And then the plate is the root system. So relative to the tree, it's shallow and very, very wide. Um, and that's more closer to the truth of what's going on underground. I always say I wish I had x-ray vision. If I had to choose a superpower, my superpower would be x-ray vision so that I could see what's going on underground tree roots. Um and that the tap roots are kind of a myth, uh, except in the case of mesquite trees. Um, there's pretty good, lots of people have had experience trying to dig out mesquite trees, and you really can't because they have the super deep tap root that stays, which kind of makes sense because um, mesquite trees tend to stay a little shorter. So I don't, they don't need the stabilization as much as other trees. So um, good luck, listener who texted with your huisatch. I really hope it survives transplanting and their lovely trees. And I hope you enjoy it. And we're going to go ahead and go to a break. Welcome to the Horticulture Hangover on News Radio KLBJ. You're in the right place to get answers to all of your questions about your lawn, garden, trees, and more. Here are your hosts, Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Good morning, y'all. This is Colleen Dieter and the Horticulture Hangover Show. Thanks for listening this morning. 
Um, I'm a landscape consultant at atxgardens.com. And you can call or text me with your gardening questions at 512-836-0590. And uh, someone texted here with a great photo of a plant with beautiful yellow flowers that are kind of uh, tall and skinny. And the question is, can I grow this from seed? Also from the same family, the popcorn plant cassia, can I grow it from seeds? Um, Yes, you can. I know that plant as candlestick plant. um, And absolutely, you can grow it from seeds. So if you save some of the seeds from this year's plant, um, keep them until keep them through the winter and then in March or April next year you can plant them in the ground and they will grow and that plant is really cool it's a beautiful plant it's an annual it only lives for one year and it grows during the warm season Um, so definitely you can grow that from seed it's really easy to grow from seed and it's a really fun plant it's hard to believe it can get that big in one season really gets big. So it's pretty neat. And then um, more information about the huisatch tree that um, this person is trying to uh, transplant that we talked about before the break. Uh, This text says, oh, additional info on the huisatch. My buddy was over here yesterday and he said he had a lot of experience grubbing them out. LOL said they had a big taproot from his experience. From my experience with this one, something is still anchoring it pretty strongly. I had no idea. Yeah, definitely. They can still have taproots, you know, that make them really hard to dig out. Um, So you'll probably have to get a saw under there to be able to get it out of the ground. Um, So even though I'm saying, oh, well, the taproots aren't dominant, From the arborist perspective, when you're trying to dig that plant out of the ground, you're still dealing with a big taproot, you know. Um, So it's still really hard to get out, even if it's a smaller taproot relative to the size of the top of the tree. (laughs) So I recommend um, digging a bigger hole around the sides there so that way you can get underneath the crown, the part that you're digging out is the part that I refer to as the crown, the place where the roots connect to the stems. And um, you want to be able to get underneath that and you may need a hand saw or like a sawzall, uh, you know, like a reciprocating saw in order to cut that root underneath. And whenever y'all are cutting roots You need to keep in mind that the soil is going to ruin your saw blade. Um, When you get dirt caught in the teeth of the saw, it's going to dull it out real bad. It's going to get really dull. So um, the reciprocating saw is nice because the blades are not very expensive. Don't use like you're really good. If you have a really good pruning saw that you like, 
Um, don't use it for cutting roots because you'll ruin the blade with the soil. Um, I always keep an old pruning saw that's already kind of dull. Uh, I always keep that on hand for cutting through roots. And of course it makes it harder because it's dull, but uh, I don't want to ruin my good, uh, more expensive hand saws that I use for tree trimming um, by cutting through roots. So uh, keep that in mind and the reciprocating saw can make it a lot easier and then you can just get new blades for it. But you have to dig a really big, really wide hole to be able to get underneath it. Um, another tool that I like uh, for this kind of thing uh, is called the root slayer. It's a shovel um, that's pointy and has teeth <laughs> on it. It it wouldn't help in this particular case, but I really like it for digging up small trees like um, little, you know, ligustrums and privets and nandinas, invasive trees that I don't want um, popping up everywhere. The root slayer is really good for that. Um, I bought mine at Natural Gardener. I don't know if they still carry them there, but it was it's a really handy tool uh, for all kinds of tough roots where you're trying to dig something up. It's not the best tool for transplanting something that you want to preserve because it just tears right through all the roots. Um, but if you're just, you know, kind of desperate to get something out of the ground, uh, the root slayer is helpful for that. So you can check that out too. Um, but yeah, it's a really good time. Today is Texas Arbor Day. And we have Texas, we have Arbor Day at a different time from the rest of the country because Texas Arbor Day is different um, because our tree planting season is different because our climate and weather are different. So here in Texas, we can plant trees from September 15th until April 1st. That's my calendar for tree planting and any plant that's made out of wood so shrubs too and it's a good time for transplanting fall is the best time earlier is better so uh doing it now in december is a really good time uh transplanting and planting trees it's time so if you've been thinking about getting a tree in the ground go ahead and do it it's a great time for it so our friend our listener who is talking about the huisatch tree wrote in and said that they have a huge caliper pruner with a long handle i worked on the two inch side roots by the way that is a root slayer in the picture oh that's good okay so they are using the root slayer to get through and their large caliper pruners the loppers uh that's great so good work See what you can do. The most important thing, y'all, when you're transplanting a tree or planting a tree is to not plant it too deeply. And it's really tempting to dig a really big hole to plant the tree into and then um, plant it too low. And then you get soil and mulch piled up against the stems 
And it's really crucial to make sure that the stems are clear and that you're not um, piling soil up against the stems because that will cause the stems to rot and that will cut off the top of the tree from the roots and that will cause all kinds of problems. Then you get insect and disease problems and eventually it will kill the tree. And I know people are going to write in and say, but what about trees in the forest? They get dirt piled up against their trunks. Yeah, and it will eventually kill them. Um, And it takes a long time, but it is something that happens and in the natural world too. And we have control over what we do in our yards. So uh, don't plant your plants too deeply, okay? That's the most important thing. And I see that we have a caller. It's Lucy from South Austin. But um, we've got to go to a commercial. So hang in there, Lucy. This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Good morning, y'all. We're back with the Horticulture Hangover Show, and I have a caller. This is Lucy in South Austin. Good morning. Good morning. What's your question? So I have a gorgeous beautyberry bush. Um that I planted too close to the sidewalk and my husband keeps chopping it down. Yeah. So I need to move it. Mm-hmm. Is this a good time to transplant that? Yes, absolutely. This is a very good time for transplanting. Yeah, for transplanting trees and shrubs and the beauty berries count as shrubs. So would I need to cut the branches and then get under it to move it? Or can I leave the branches? You can leave a- you can leave the branches as much as you can, but sometimes you just have to cut the branches down just to make it easier to move, and okay. it will be okay either way. Uh, either right. way, it'll be fine. So yeah, and is is that excuse me? Is that one where the uh, roots are very sensitive and it's it's hard to. Um, for it to regenerate? Not usually. They're pretty good. They're pretty durable plants. They're pretty easy to transplant. Just try to get as much of the root ball as you can um, up out of the ground. Try to take it intact. You'll have better luck if you get like a clump of soil up with the roots Uh That'll be a better situation. You can't always do it, you know, so just do the best you can and it's going to be okay. okay. Yeah, and it's going to be okay. The most important thing, like I said before the break too, I'll repeat it. The most important thing is to not to plant it too low. So when you replant it, plant it at the same level in the soil that it's at now so that you're not getting dirt and soil and mulch and stuff piled up around the stems. Okay. okay. And it's, and one last question on that. Sure. Um, I have several in my back part of the acre. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them really struggled with the heat. Is it better to have it in shade rather than in sun? Yes. The beauty berries really prefer shade, especially okay. in the afternoon when it's really, really hot. So they really do best in the shade. 
or with morning sun and afternoon shade. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. They'll struggle in the sun for sure. Okay. Last quick, quick Mm -hmm. question. Sure. A bridal bridal wreath. Yes. um, That I planted a huge bridal wreath last spring that was gorgeous, of course, till the summer. Mm. Is that one that should have more shade? The one in my front yard is gorgeous and it's in full sun. Yeah, really, they also prefer, for them, they're a little bit tough, harder to grow than the beautyberries. They Mm -hmm. need morning sun and afternoon shade or very dappled shade is the best thing for the bridal wreath spireas. I love that plant. And uh, but they can be a little challenging to grow for that reason. They're they're very particular. Mm, okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much sure. for your help. I love your show. Thank you, Lucy. Thanks for listening and for calling okay. in. All right. Okay. Thanks so much. Have a great one. You bye. too. Bye bye. Yeah, the bridal wreath spirea. Um, that's a really lovely plant. Um, and they could they're just delightful in the spring. They have. Beautiful white flowers. They just get covered with flowers. And they're nice because they have a long bloom period. They bloom for a long time. Um, But they do, if they're in too much shade, they won't bloom. And they'll look kind of rangy and weak. Um, But if they're in too much sun, they don't like that either. So you really have to find the... uh, the right spot for them, the Goldilocks spot, so to speak. Um, something that's just right. And for them, morning sun and afternoon shade is the best thing for the bridal wreath spireas. The other mistake that folks make with that plant is they'll trim them in the winter and you really can't. Uh, don't trim them in the winter because you'll remove all the flowers. Um, that's when where you have to trim them right after they bloom. And I know that gets really confusing, but um, pretty much any tree or shrub that blooms in the spring, in the very early spring, like in March or April, if you trim them in the winter, you're going to remove their flower buds. You're going to remove the part of the tree or shrub that has the potential flowers on it. Um, so you have to be a little bit careful and it's better to trim a lot of those plants after they bloom. That includes hydrangeas. You know, a lot of people ask me about their hydrangeas never bloom and I get a lot of questions about why do my hydrangeas never bloom? Um, it's because a lot of times they're cutting them down in the winter or trimming them in the winter. Um, and you're removing the flower buds. So you really, with those plants, it's better if you need to trim them, you trim them just to shape them, and you trim them right after they bloom. And you can remove the dead flowers and shape the plant up. And that's getting into, like, June um, when they're done blooming. And... We have some text messages from a listener who said, you asked what's growing or blooming in the garden. Enjoy. And they sent a beautiful group of photos of Mandevia, 
Blue plumbago. Looks like blue sky vine. That's a cool one that you don't see very often. That's blooming right now, the blue sky vine. Um, we've got Mexican bush sage and cannas. We're getting second blooms on our cannas with all this rain. It's so fun. Mexican bush sage is a great one, y'all. If you're looking for some color in the garden, check out Mexican bush sage blooming paired with the gulf muleys when they bloom together. They're really beautiful. So I hope you all enjoy the good weather this week. And I'm Colleen Dieter with ATXGardens.com. And I'll catch you next Saturday.